The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back for another edition of the Regular Guy Radio Show. I'm John Engelhart. Thank you so much for tuning in. I wish everybody a great time in the days and weeks ahead as we go through the holidays and turn the page on a new year. Uh, A lot of things to remember, a lot of things to forget uh, for many of us. So uh, I hope everybody's doing great. And thanks again for making uh, Winning Ponies just a small part of your day and your uh, interest in horse racing and hopefully making some money now we are going to have uh a veteran of winning ponies and a well-known figure in turf racing and riding none other than jay privman um who is uh gotta build a new mantle in his house because uh he just got a uh, another award um he is uh going to be joining uh, Walter Haight and Jack Mann being selected the National Museum of Racing's Joe Hirsch Media Roll of Honor. And this is no small honor, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Jay has has earned it. Uh, went going back covering his first race in 1980, but it was a good one. It was back when he covered spectacular bid in the Malibu Stakes. And uh, so we're, we're going to talk to him about that. I mean, he worked part-time for the Los Angeles Daily News, the Daily News. And then he was the West Coast editor of the Racing Times, you may recall that publication and the uh, correspondent for the New York Times for uh, many years. He was also a correspondent for the Thoroughbred Record. Remember that, folks? And the Thoroughbred Times. Remember that, folks? I had subscriptions to both. They don't exist anymore. Uh, And, of course, now he's a senior member of the uh, Daily Racing Forum. Uh, But Jay's done a little bit of everything. We're going to ask about him. You know, television reporter, handicapper, CBS, ESPN, NBCSN, uh, radio shows uh he's the author of books oh my god i can keep going with his resume but we're gonna let jay uh do that and talk about some of the people that he's been inducted with and uh, our second guest is a first-time starter as we say here on the show brian nadu will be our guest handicapper now uh he grew up uh, in a lovely part of the country just minutes from saratoga which means you basically are bored into being a lifelong horse player because you get bitten by the bug real easy up there in the spa. I came in no back in 2006 working with uh, Naira as a press box intern. Uh, he's had different uh, industry capacities, and now you can see him live, and if you're at Gulfstream, in person as the uh, racing analyst there. And... Uh, you're going to want to watch him on Saturday because that's where all the 
major races of this weekend, as far as graded stakes, are going to be contested. Uh, the highlight of the day, the $200,000 Fort Lauderdale grade two race at a mile and an eighth. I'm not going to start naming horses because a lot of these uh, races we're going to handicap tonight are, are interesting in that um, they feature horses with a lot of promise or they have already shown their promise, but have been very, very lightly raced, maybe two or three races this year, and are now hoping to close out 2021 uh, with a nice paycheck and a grade two win in the Fort Lauderdale. So that's the 10th, the mile and eighth on the turf. Um, the ninth race is the Harlan's Holiday, named after the greatest Ohio bred of all times. A grade three, $150,000. We'll be going a mile and a 16th on the main track. And then starting off that late pick three will be the Sugar Swirl. They're dashing six furlongs on the main track. And earlier on the card, this is before two o'clock, 154 if you're on the East Coast, one mile on the turf at Gulfstream Park, it's the Swanee River, a grade three, a hundred grand up for grabs. And just so you uh, don't uh, oversleep, set your alarms. First post at Gulfstream for the star-studded card will be 12 noon. So looking forward to talking with Brian Nadeau. Let's get to some of the odds and ends and uh, some of the... Uh, uh, breaking stories but before we do I want to remind you with racing being uh, kind of moving from the north to the south in a lot of locations <clears throat> meanwhile you've got the night racing at turfway park boy you want to bet full fields that's where you go and it's in the evenings at least for those of us on the east coast it's uh, i'm around happy hour for you guys on the west coast uh but but pull down go to winningponies.com pull down the easy win forms uh because i've got to admit we really do have some solid picks uh, and don't take my word for it you can go up and and check it yourself on the website winningponies.com but uh we're going to Gulfstream on Saturday. We had three huge hits last week at Gulfstream. We had a 50-cent pick five that paid 3440 We had a $1 Super 5 key that paid over $2,900. And we had a 50-cent pick four. We had some prices in this race. 2,594. So those are your easy win forms at Winning Ponies. Those were our guests. We've taken a glance at the races. And now some interesting news that I hope all of you will get in the season of giving. Because we had a hard time in Kentucky this week, as you know, uh, unless you've been living in a cave. Uh, the, the tornadoes that came through, I won't go into the details. You've seen the news. But how do we help our friends in Kentucky? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that work in the industry. Uh, it was in the western part of the state. Thank God it wasn't in Lexington. Not that it's good that it happened anywhere. But, I mean, as far as looking at it from a horse industry perspective. But there are a lot of people that, that are hurting. And you want to help? You can. I was helping pack a truck today myself. Um, you can text the word, all caps, TORNADOES, and then put the number 90999. TORNADOES, 90999. And that's just a $10 donation you're making. Not going to break the bank. And maybe in your Christmas cards, if you're like me, you're late getting them out. Uh, just put, hey, by the way there, Joe Sixpack, I just want to let you know that as a Christmas gift, instead of taking you out for a beer, 
I donated <laughs> in your name uh, to the Tornado Fund to help some people out. So again, uh, hopefully I'll give it to you before the show's out. Tornadoes nine zero nine nine nine. Get in the mood, folks. The Christmas spirit. Well, it's well waiting right there for you. Now, in Kentucky, a lot of different organizations have uh, kind of come together to assist horse owners who have been affected from last week's uh, tornado outbreak. And so if, if you live anywhere in the area, you can make the ride to beautiful Kentucky Horse Park. <clears throat> you can go there uh, starting on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday from 8 in the morning to 5 o'clock. Because when you drive in, it'll tell you where to go. But they're they're looking for things that uh, are related to the horse industry. Um, there will be a list. You can go up and check it out on the Kentucky Department of Agriculture. Uh, but, you know, we're just talking buckets, winter blankets, halters, lead ropes, wheelbarrows, plastic totes, things, you know, that you need around a barn, uh, pitchforks, shovels, first aid supplies. So if you've got any of those they could use it, and they could use it right away. So the Kentucky Horse Park, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's get to uh, – how about no parole? Remember what an exciting story he was? Well, uh, the Louisiana bred that uh, got everybody's attention. Uh, Maggie Moss uh, bought the horse for 75000 and uh, he, he – Raised a lot of eyebrows. He was trained by Tom Amos. Uh, he won his debut by 14 and a quarter lengths. Won his first three starts by a combined 34 lengths. Well, he finished off the board in his last start last weekend uh, down at the fairgrounds. And uh, Amos saying it was the most, without a doubt, the most brilliant racehorse I've ever trained. So he is going to stand stud in Louisiana. And uh, he's only going to stand for 3500 So if you want a really fast son of violence, that's where you go. He was the 2020 Louisiana Horse of the Year, retires with 369866 Well, let's see what happens at Illinois in the months ahead. Uh, the uh, Illinois board has axed Arlington's OTB licenses. Uh, so... Uh, we will find out the, what is going to happen up there in the Chicago area. Uh, but uh, a motion to allow OTBs to continue under Arlington and Churchill Downs, it failed on a tie vote and a lot of criticism of Churchill Downs' record in Illinois. So this could be a little bit of a payback for uh, for. Pulling out, of course, a lot of broken hearts when the historic Arlington Park uh, shuttered its doors uh, this year. Um, you know, we've heard uh, so much about Bob Baffert. We could we could have a whole segment on Bob Baffert this week. Well, Bob Baffert this week was awarded $109,000 in attorney fees from the New York Racing Association. Uh, it, it, uh, what can I say? It was his first victory. Um, you know, right now he's still re reeling from a dying of spirit and we're awaiting the horse uh, autopsy necropsy. I think they call it, uh, to make sure that there was nothing, uh, 
untoward in his system after that really nice workout last week, sadly died of what appears to be some kind of a cardiac event. We'll find out. There's a lot of things that can cause that. But uh, finally, Bob Baffert wakes up to some good news, and uh, he'll be waiting for a check from Naira for $109,000. And let's uh, close out this segment to uh, Eduardo Nunez. Remember that? Him? You probably cashed some bets on him. He won over 2,800 uh, races in North America. Well, he just saddled his first winner as a trainer uh, just yesterday at Gulfstream Park. So if you if you bet the South Florida circuit, you you remember Eduardo Nunez. Uh, a lot of jocks can't transfer their talent to the trainer's field, though some have done very successfully. It's funny, we were talking about Johnny Longdon with a friend earlier today. He's one that comes to mind. Uh, but anyhow, uh, congratulations to Eduardo Nunez. Well, that's as much news as we could squeeze in. But again, folks, pen in hand. Tornadoes, 90999. It's only $10, but a nice little Christmas gift to put in somebody's car to tell them, hey, you help the effort. All right, a guy that's been helping us for decades learn about the ins and outs of the sport of thoroughbred racing. Jay Privman is going to join us in the next segment. Thanks so much. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for Winning Ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Bet with confidence. Bet with BUSR. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. 
All right, I teased you at the top of the show with the fact that our next guest is coming up. I couldn't read his awards or his resume because this is only a one-hour show, and we could just continue on as we go down the mantle of awards of Jay Privman. He, he had to buy a new house. He had to enlarge the house uh, to get more mantles in the place, and now... He's putting another one up there, uh, and he's going to be in the National Museum of Racing's Joe Hirsch Media Roll of Honor. With no further ado, Jay Privman, I hear you're feeling good. Uh, I am, John. Yeah, it was a nice way to end the year, and it's certainly a great honor uh, for the Hall of Fame when they called to let me know that this had happened because Joe Hirsch was a tremendous influence on my career and those of many of my, uh, you know, ilk over the years. And so it really was a, a very meaningful honor. Well, uh, Jay, we're, we're going to, we're going to get to Joe Hirsch cause I want to ask you about him, uh, and my brief encounter with him, I'll share with you. But what I want to go back to is like, you know, I met Jay, but he was already a full-fledged, you know, uh, uh, turf writer. He was kind of a made guy. And, uh, you know, did you ever watch that show, The Wonder Years, Jay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to know. I remember that show. What are Jay Privman's wonder years? What was it like growing up? Where'd you grow up? I describe maybe your family and describe your first little baby steps into why you wanted to be a writer and uh, why you were drawn to the world of racing. But let's start with you as a kid. What were you like? Uh, well, you'd have to ask my parents what I was like because I mean they'd have the they'd have the better uh, unbiased opinion. But I grew up in Southern California, specifically in the San Fernando Valley, and was always interested in sports even from an early age. Um, my dad, who grew up in Brooklyn and moved to California when he was in his twenties, was a big sports fan, and you know one of the sports that he enjoyed was horse racing, and he would go to the track about once a month with his buddies, and that was my first kind of awareness of horse racing that and back when i was a kid racing in california was held tuesday through saturday now it's it it, it, it then gravitated to wednesday through sunday for five-day racing but there was no sunday racing when i was a kid and the saturday feature race was on tv every week um and it would come on in the afternoon right around the time that the baseball game of the week with kurt gowdy and tony kubek would end switch to another station and watch the the feature race from Santa Anita or Hollywood Park. And so that was what, those were some of the things that first piqued my interest in racing at a, at a young age. Now, did you, did you like, heck, I think back in the days we called it grammar. <laughs> did, did you, uh, what was it about writing that, that you found that you, you got something back from doing it? Yeah, I, enjoy, I always enjoyed it. Uh, I was on the school paper in high school and then in college as well it was but i I liked all aspects of journalism uh i liked not only the writing part of it but i liked the broadcasting part of it as well i was on the the rate the school radio station in college they didn't have a a a radio station in high school but i i i wanted to pursue any of those avenues but writing was something that i enjoyed doing um the, the funny thing john is that when I took my SATs, I did extremely well on, on the math, which I was always good at that. Um, and that's another reason I think I liked racing was because of all the math problems that mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out every half hour when handicapping a race. But I got a really good score on the math on my SAT, and I, for some reason I bombed the English. 
<laughs> one of the great <laughs> mysteries of, to, to this day of like how I did so poorly on it. But I, you would not have looked at those SAT scores and said, well, this guy really ought to go into sports writing. <laughs> well, nobody would have predicted that I'd be here off mine. Quick story, Jay. I'm there at a different school. We had to go to a central school, not our own school, to take the SATs. I'm there. There's like 200 kids that don't know 199 of them. From out of nowhere, a German shepherd comes up, leg locks me on my leg, and begins to hump me. Well, you can imagine oh, when these kids turned around, because the school wasn't open yet, the doors were locked. What I had to go through before I got in there and took that number two pencil in my hand, it was like, oh, talk about getting taken out of your game. Get screwed by a German <laughs> shepherd before you go in to take it. Uh, needless to say, I, I digress. I just thought I'd share that, that with you. Now, Jay, one of the things I love about racing is, well, starting out with heroes and then becoming friends with you. And I certainly in- include you in that group. But uh, the uh, tell me, uh, like, as you started getting into racing and as you started walking the backstretch and your job was to go talk to people, um, who were some of the colorful characters you met in your early days? Well, colorful characters are people, who, I mean, Julio Canani would, would stand out, the late trainer. He was a, a real character, and there was a, a, a clocker slash uh, old jockey's agent named Apples Tabor, who was kind of a, a character back then. He was one of these guys who would just sit at Clocker's Corner and say, forget what you know, listen to me. Um, <laughs> but but the people who were, you know, I wouldn't call like Ron McAnally or, or Eddie Gregson characters per se, but they were two of the trainers that I met early on in my career because of, in McAnally's case, John Henry was racing then and then Gregson's case, Scott Del Sol won the first Kentucky Derby that I covered, and those were two people who I got on with very well, uh, and you know, were very helpful in my getting my feet under me in a sport where obviously there's a lot. Even if you think you know a lot about the sport, you you don't know uh, when you first come around and try and cover it because there's so much to learn, and, and they were extremely helpful in that regard. Uh, I'm no spring chicken, and I'm still learning. I mean, it's just yep. that and the, the things that move along with technology and the sport and things that, that trainers find out that you know, you know c- can enhance a horse's performance. So uh, I'll go back there, and I'll say, damn, I've been around all these years, and I never knew that. Could be a halter. Could be whatever. I don't know. But I love it because it, 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 it's such fertile ground. And with those words said, isn't it a marvelous place for someone who's a creative writer like you? I think racing's one of the great sports to cover from that standpoint because every horse has owners, a trainer, and a jockey connected to them. So if you can't come up with a story just starting with those four parts of the equation, you're really not trying hard enough uh, because – and that's just the, the obvious things. Then there's – hot walkers and grooms and jockey agents and all the other people at the track. It's really fertile ground for a writer. There's just so many stories there. And that's one of the things that I enjoy about it. 
Well, uh, we're, we're talking with Jay Privman, who's just been selected to the National Museum of Racing's Joe Hirsch Media Role of Honor. And with that name said, uh, I'm going to uh, ask uh, Jay to reach down. I, I was honored one time. I forget what awards banquet we were at. Certainly, I wasn't getting the award, but I was there to clap for somebody else. And I got seated next to Joe. And we had dinner together and started talking to him. Jay, it was like unlocking this safe that had more secrets and information in it that I could believe. Now, you know, Joe, as he aged, he he didn't look great, you know, and he, you know, he shook a little. But my God, he was sharp as a tack. And when he found out I was at River Downs, he started telling me stories about Coney Island, which is what it was called in 1925. He was an amazing man. Yeah, he his recall is incredible. And his the sources that he cultivated over the years was as exhaustive as anybody could possibly have. Uh, you know, this is in an era where people didn't have cell phones. You had to be calling people on their barn phone or at their home, or if they were traveling, maybe at the hotel, but he got a hold of them and he would, he was the, the Oracle of knowledge when it came, especially down the Derby trail with his Derby doings and things yes. of that nature. But the thing that I think, that I and a lot of other people of my era really appreciated is that, and and as you found that night when you sat next to him, is that he was more than willing to impart, you know, knowledge, not in a a haughty way at all. He was just in a helpful way. Uh, But he really appreciated, I think, people like you who, who love the game. And if you show an interest in it, he, he would respond in kind and was very willing and and eager to help people who wanted to, to learn and to know more. And that's one of the, reasons he's so beloved uh now you know it's still 10 years since his passing um or more now uh, but you know he had such a great and deserved reputation that he's just really the most i think beloved figure among racing riders in in the united states uh, truly a, 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 an amazing man. And Jay, I remember, you know, the, again, we're going back. We started out when there were no no computers, no internet or, or anything. And I used to love getting the racing form in April uh, every couple of days, maybe every day. There would be derby doings, as you brought up, by Joe Hirsch. And as you said, he's like – Wait, he was talking to this guy. He was talking to this guy. He was, you know, he he, he got more information out of people and delivered to you in such a quick style in the racing form. It was just amazing. And I always said, when Joe Hirsch dies, who gets his black book? <laughs> yeah, I think he might have taken it with him. Uh, but yeah, he was. It was amazing that he did that because you know I I have to do similar kind of work now, and the advantages that I've got were. Trainers have cell phones, and if I can't reach them with a phone call, I can text them, and then they can call me back. And he didn't have that kind of advantages 40 years ago, and he still came up with more information than you know most people do today. Uh, it was amazing, and I think that shows the kind of respect that he had in the industry, that trainers would call him back immediately, and they trusted him to get it right. That's the other thing. Remember back in the day when the racing form was a little different? Um, Joe Hirsch, and I think he passed this down to anyone that worked at the form, was fastidious about making sure that he got everything right. 
I'm talking not only the spelling of the horse's name, I'm talking about commas. I'm talking about exact times he might have quoted. I mean, he was a stickler for making sure that the information he gave out and those around him was exact. Yeah, and, and that's something that I try and take pride in and in, in to do at least that part of the job that way. Because uh, to me, that's how you earn respect and trust from the people that you deal with is by getting it right. And if that means having to call somebody back just to clarify something or make sure you've got something correct, you do it. Because if you start making mistakes and, and, and screwing up, you're going to lose the trust and respect of people that you need to deal with on a daily basis. And that's something that Joe always had was the trust and respect of people on a daily basis. And it's because, as you were pointing out, he got it right. He was, he was fastidious in that way of wanting to make absolutely sure everything was correct. And it wasn't just like, well, I'll send it in and I'll worry about, you know, the editors can fix it if it's wrong. No, that's not how you're supposed to do your job. Well, decades from now, when we're not around, Jay, there'll be some uh, guy on the radio saying the same things about you, I believe. Now, when, when, when you sit back, and by the way, folks, Jay isn't retiring, but I'm just kind of <laughs> asking you, I mean, you, you've, you've, you've been with the Los Angeles Daily News, the, the Racing Times, I remember that so well. Um, the, the, of course, uh, you were a correspondent for the New York Times, and, but then you kind of morphed into an on-camera career. Let me tell you, man, you were smooth as velvet cbs espn fox nbcsn um you know what what, what part of your uh, career now that you, if you do step back and ever look at it uh did you feel most comfortable about and i i do have the most pride about well the writing was how was my entree and i i certainly take the most pride in that because it's it's something that it just has your name on it. So when you write a feature story or a race recap or something like that, it's, it's, it's your work. And it's, it's a different sort of environment than working on a racing telecast where it's kind of like, it's basically the difference between, I guess, playing tennis and, and being on a football team. You know, one's an individual sport and one's a team sport. And they're both very gratifying when you do good work. Uh, it's just a different kind of experience in that the writing is a little more of a solo pursuit where you're just sitting down in front of a blank keyboard and, and, and trying to come up with something, whereas the the television work is a more collaborative effort among a, a group of really good people all trying to put on a, a terrific show, not only the on-camera people, but all the behind-the-scenes people, the producers and directors and technical people. Um, and I enjoyed both. The, the the part that I really enjoyed about doing television work was just the immediacy of it. I mean, you had to be right, and you had to be right then. You couldn't maybe type something <laughs> up and then look at it and go, eh, I want to rework that. And, right. No, and, no, and, no, no, Jay. And try and get it differently. Be- <laughs> yeah. Get it, get it, send it in differently, or, or rephrase it, I should say, before you send it in. You've got to get it right, right then when you're on TV. And, and that's it really heightens all your senses to make to make sure you're aware and, and focused and and ready and i enjoyed doing that because of all those reasons well you know i, I i've dabbled in television there's nothing like all of a sudden that finger of the guy pointing to you like go ahead baby <laughs> it's your turn to talk <laughs> and uh, do you have uh, just one story you could share with us about maybe an odd or funny experience that happened before during or after one of your television exp- uh, 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 experiences 
Well, uh, boy, I, I would say the most satisfying thing I ever did was was when Zenyatta won the Breeders' Cup Classic, oh. and my assignment was to interview John Sheriffs. Wow. Win, lose, or draw. And I was standing off camera about 50 yards from where he watched the race, and that race was at Santa Anita, and John liked to watch the race trackside. He would walk sort of up the stretch maybe a sixteenth of a yes. mile and just stand there and watch the race. And I was stationed off camera, uh, but, you know, within very easy distance of him. So when Zenyatta won, they, John had hopped over the rail and was walking on the outer rail of the main track at Santa Anita back towards the winner's circle from around the 16th bowl. And I was walking with him and interviewing him. And you might remember this from watching on TV, but he, he had a ball cap on his head and he flung it yep. into the crowd. Um, and that was just a great spontaneous moment. And it's probably the thing that I remember most and enjoyed most about all the things that I did in, in television. That was probably the most enjoyable thing. The most stressful thing I ever, I think I ever covered was after a, Breeders' Cup race at Churchill Downs. You might remember Javier Castellano and Calvin Burrell got into a fight, and I was standing right next to them when it broke out. And they came to me, and I had to describe what was going on. And that was, you talk about having to report and get things right uh, in a stressful situation. That was probably the most stressful thing that I had to do because just what, the atmosphere down there was, was very, very tense, understandably, with those two guys going at one another. I remember it. It was the marathon, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, it was. Um, well, Jay, uh, yeah, God, I hate to have this come to an end, but I, I guess this is probably an impossible question to, to answer, so I'll go ahead and ask it. Of all the awards you've won, uh, you know, uh, Eclipse Awards, um, I always felt very special about the Red Smith Award, not because I uh, – one uh, one, but because uh, the guys that that won the Red Smith Award, and for those of you that don't know what it is, is for the best story in the Kentucky Derby. Of course, back in the day when Jay was really you know out there with all these guys, there was a lot more competition. Sad to say, our um, turf riders have whittled away o- o- over the years. But it, it, it was was it was it one of those awards, uh, not necessarily Red Smith or uh, th- this new award. Uh, you, you've got uh, you, you, won, you won the award from the uh, Maryland Jockey Club for the best Preakness. Is there one that stands out to you that you feel really good about? Like kind of like maybe after you hit that last period, you said, nailed it. <laughs> well, I there's two there's two awards that and they're both for a body of work as opposed to just like a single story john um this award that i most recently got from the hall of fame the joe hirsch media role of honor is for a body of work and 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 that's particularly gratifying but the other one and it's sort of a similar ilk was when i got the walter Haight award from the national turf riders association which is also for career achievement and what makes that incredibly meaningful is that it's voted on by members of the National Turf Riders and Broadcasters Association. So your peers are are the ones voting for you and saying, you know, we respect your work and you're deserving of this career achievement award. So those are the two that that stand out uh, in terms of awards. In terms of story writing, it's, it's funny. I've had stories that I thought were fantastic that didn't even get a sniff for the Eclipse Awards. And I've had things that I thought were well, they, they, this is okay. 
and, and have turned it in just because I think you should be supporting that stuff. And, and they got honorable mentions or things like that. And you're like, okay, you just never know what, what judges are going to, are going to like compared to what you think is, is good work. So the, the two awards that stand out for me are the other two that I mentioned, this most recent one, and then the one from the Turf Riders Association. Uh, Jay, I could have you on all day, but uh, they they won't let me do that here on Winning Ponies. But uh, from me to you, congratulations for being selected to the Nash Museum Racing's Joe Hirsch Media Roll of Honor. I'll go up there someday and run my hand across your name on whatever <laughs> bronze thing they put it on. I'm not sure. Will you will you go to Saratoga this summer to be awarded officially? Yeah, they. They don't really have the, the riders as part of that ceremony. It's for the jockeys, trainers, and horses that go in. You get acknowledged, but it's not like you're there and you make a speech or, or anything like that. It's 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 a it's a different kind of situation, but it's still you know incredibly meaningful to be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, I'm I am planning on going to Saratoga, hopefully this summer to just go to the Hall of Fame itself and and to see the. The, the list of people uh, that I'm now part of, which is, you know, there's so many people on there that I know and respect, you know, like Steve Christ and Bill Mack and Jay Hovde and Andy Byer and our friend Jenny Reese, you know, and on and on, Tom Hammond, Charles Ucani, just it's a great list and I'm very, uh, very proud and, and honored to be part of it. And a deserving winner. Well, Jay Privman, I've got to go. Thanks a lot. Uh, have a wonderful holiday season to you and yours. You too, John, and thanks for all your support over the years. All right, that was Jay Privman. Great guy. Glad to call him a friend. Going to take a quick break here. When we get back, we're going to bring up Brian A. Dew, who's going to walk us through the best bets of the weekend at Gulfstream Park. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 
1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Well, as I told you, the top of the show, Brian A. Dew from Gulfstream Park is going to join us uh, to take a look at as many graded stakes races as we can because all eyes of the country, if you're a horse player, are going to be on Gulfstream Park on Saturday. So with no further ado, I'll let him read his resume. Brian A. Dew, welcome to Winning Ponies. Hey, John. Good to have me on. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of excitement on Saturday with kind of a Pegasus World Cup preview day. We've got five stakes, four of them graded, and uh, you kind of get an early look at a lot of horses that are going to have a big say at the end of January on Pegasus World Cup day. Well, people are going, Brian Nadeau, uh, w- 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 where, how did he get to Gulfstream Park? Why am I looking at him? Why is he giving me the horses? Run, run down your resume for us, will you, before you got to Florida? Yeah, I mean, I just uh, started back in uh, 2006 as a press intern at Naira and just kind of, uh, I guess you'd say, pay my dues. Since then, worked at uh, the Saratoga Special with Sean and Joe Clancy, who uh, yeah. you, ju- you just, yeah, you just had Jake Pribman on, who's uh uh, just a great guy, and, and I've known Jay for a long time, just as, as good a guy as there is. And, you know, Sean and Joe, Eclipse award-winning writers in their own right, so I started and with Tom them. And let's, let's not yeah, forget Tommy. Tom Law. Absolutely. Tom's a great guy. And then uh, I went to Horse Player Now with Jeremy Plonk and, and Joe Christofek and mm-hmm. uh, did, did a lot of years with those guys, and uh, I love those guys to death. And, and then uh, Capital OTB in, in upstate New York on the TV side, and uh, have, have and still do work for those guys. And then uh, re-hooked up with Joe again last year at Fairgrounds and, and kind of just parlayed all that uh, Breeders' Cup newsletter for about 13 years with uh, Jim Gluckson, one of my favorite people. I've been writing that with him. And then, uh, yeah, this winter uh, at, at Gulfstream Park with uh, down there with Ron Nicoletti and Acacia and Ashley Mayu. So uh, I'm just so uh, amped and fortunate enough to be part of the team. And, and uh, you know, it's come front and center now with the, the championship meet and just the, the, the great race racing over the winter. And you get to spend some time with my old buddy, the round mound of sound, Pete Aiello. Man, he's really yeah. come into his element since he got the Gulfstream, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I love Pete. And, uh, you know, he reached out to me, uh, I don't know, three or four nights ago and said, hey, uh, my, my buddy John's got the show, and can you help me out? I said, absolutely, because, uh, you know, I love uh, working with Pete, and he's a sharp guy. And uh, so when uh, he gives you the endorsement, I'm okay with it. Well, if you're ever betting on the mule races, talk to Pete. <laughs> I am not kidding. I forget what the signal was, but it was like mule races. And this guy could handicap the hell out of them. I, don't ask me. But anyhow, <laughs> I, I digress. Uh, it, it, we're talking with Brian Nadeau. He's down at Gulfstream Park right now. And uh, great card. Uh, we'll probably take it backwards and see where we get. But uh, we'll start with the Fort Lauderdale. Now, Brian, one thing I did notice uh, handicapping yeah. the card down there, at least the races we're going to talk about, is um, luckily we got some really good big fields. Um but a lot of these horses, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, but it, it looks like they're kind of lightly raced this season. And, uh, 
you know, they're trying to get their, their first graded win or I don't know why they didn't, they've only raced uh, three or four times. Um, is, is something like the Fort Lauderdale, a uh, mile and an eighth on your turf. Is, is this a race that's ripe for a price horse? Well, I'm, I, I'm possibly thinking so, John. And, and, you know, the less is more kind of angle applies in racing in this day and age, you know, horses don't, run as much as as maybe they used to so um the fort lauderdale's tough you know we, we we've got 12 of them with an also eligible as well and i think the clear horse to be to me space traveler mm-hmm. brendan wall she's he's out in the parking lot you know so the post is not ideal and and you're also thinking you know some of these horses and brendan has said you know space traveler is it, it's kind of a prep for the pegasus you know world cup turf so you're allowed to ask and allowed to wonder just how tight the screws are for some of these horses. And, you know, I, I clearly think space traveler is the horse to be He's a class of the field. You look at his past performances, four straight grade in, or group one races, the, the Keeneland turf mile, the Woodbine mile, the Mr. D slash, you know, the old Arlington million and then the Sussex at glorious Goodwood. And he's run very, very well, but, uh, he's out wide, and, and he's not necessarily a wind machine either. So, you know, as you kind of alluded to, I think you're allowed to look around for, for value in the race. Chad Brown's got a couple of them as well. But, you know, regardless of, of who you think is the favorite and the horse to beat, and I do think it's Space Traveler, no one is really that far. You know, we don't have a 7-8-5 to five favorite in this race. No, and 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 you do have uh, Doswell, one of the horses I mentioned, uh, uh, ran second in this race uh, last year. Of course, you always got to worry about Chad Brown anytime his horses hit the turf, and you've got uh, La Imperator, the French bred. That's a lot of the handicappers are thinking will provide this the stiffest challenge uh, to to space uh, traveler. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think actually Pete made him uh, five to two on the morning line, and you know he's down inside. It, it, it's Chad, and and the fa- and the, maybe the horse to beat Space Traveler drew poorly on the outside, and Lamperator got on, back on the beam last time uh, in a confidence builder at Aqueduct. So I, I do think he. I, I agree with that, John. He's the the main danger. Um, to the favorite, Chad's also got Analyze It, who's tactical and and uh, on his day. And you're allowed to wonder if, if you know if his day is behind him. But on his day, he's a major player as well, and he's got a race in here that can win this. Well, uh, the the Sugar Swirl. We're going to dash six furlongs, Grade Three, hundred thousand uh, dollars. Again, it, it's it's funny. I got a feeling you were looking over my shoulder because I said the same thing. Uh, my notes are that uh, Space Traveler has the class edge, and uh, in here, pretty evenly matched. Uh, but we do have a $1.5 million baby, not that that means as much now as it did in years past, a daughter into mischief uh, who, you know, again, lightly raced this year. But, hey, two for two, uh, including, uh, you know, has already a won over Gulfstream. That's where uh, she broke her maiden. But really looks kind of like the now horse, Brian. Yeah, I mean, Center Isle is – is uh, on the come for now, Paul Lobo. You know, Chad Brown had her earlier in her, her, her career, and and uh, you know, OXO Larry Best. They spend a lot of money in horses, and, and this one seems to be improving. The thing about the the, the Sugar Squirrel, uh, John, is and you know, you look at this race on paper, there is just an absolute abundance of speed. Basically, everyone wants to go 
in some way, shape, or form. Center Isle is one of them. Her, her two races off the layoff with Paula Lobel. She's wired the field. She hasn't really run that fast early, so I don't think she makes a lead, but you can kind of pick up her M.O. Um, she, she wants to be involved. So, you know, this is a race to me, and it's, it's, it's a little dicey to try to go too far off the pace sprinting at Gulfstream Park. But you look at a horse like Bronx Beauty who took the blinkers off last time when she was at Monmouth. And, you know, Monmouth is a very speedy track, too. And I know she got set up. They went 44-1 and one in that conditioned allowance or that open allowance, I should say, back in September. It's not easy to do to come from six, almost five lengths behind at Monmouth. She did it. And she did it impressively. She was second in this race last year. She is 0 for 6 at Gulfstream Park. But I, I just think the flow of this race, John, where it, to me, it just has to melt down uh, in that final furlong. I'm very, very interested in Bronx Beauty. I think she's at 6 on the morning line. And uh, maybe that 0 for 6 local record, because she is 11 for 25 elsewhere. She's kind of a win machine. Maybe that turns some people off. To me, I think she's got a very good chance to run all of these down in the lane with a supersonic pace up front. Boy, great catch on the no blinkers there. We're talking with Brian Nadeau from Gulfstream Park. That's Bronx Beauty we were just talking about there. And as we all know, Tyler Gaffleone kind of knows his way yeah. around the Gulfstream Oval pretty good. That's not going to hurt you. Hey, I hope we get 6-1 to one on him, Brian. Well, l- yeah, let's jump sure. back a little bit and go to the fifth race because this is another one. Uh Boy, everybody wanted to get in the gate for this one. Mile on the turf, the Sewanee River. Uh, with that many horses in the race, it's uh, kind of wide open. I'm leaning a little bit towards Shifty Chic just because it's a horse for course. This horse loves it down there at Gulfstream. But, boy, it's not the only track the horse can can run at. Look at his last four races. Aside from Gulfstream, Saratoga, Kentucky Downs, and Belmont. Safi Joseph must really like this horse, and it comes away with consistent speed figures. Yeah, no doubt about it. She's a household. She's four for six, as you kind of alluded to, over the Gulfstream lawn. And, you know, she went up to New York and won a grade three at Belmont. And Safi was kind of, uh, you know, in the midst of a really, really cold, cold streak up there in New York. Um, so uh, all the way dating back to July. So she kind of really broke through that and, and did it impressively. So, yeah, you're right, John. She, she's definitely a major player in here. Um you know, the one thing I want to mention in Shifty Shoe, Shifty Sheets, it falls under this banner. Um, a lot of these gals have been racing on Lasix. And mm-hmm. on Saturday, they're not going to race on Lasix. And, and you don't necessarily know how some of them are going to respond. Now, you don't have to worry about that with Shifty Sheets. She's run her last five races off Lasix, and as, as you mentioned, and you know she's been in great form for Safi, and, and she basically runs her race every time. So I look at to me keeper of time for Brendan Walsh. She really, really bounced back um, at Belmont last time in the Glencoe off a real dud uh, in the Pebbles, and they ignored her last time. That's a kind of a that's a one turn seven furlongs at Belmont. She's going to stretch out to two turns. Here at Gulfstream Park, she's drawn well to be inside, back with Tyler Gaffleone as well. I am, at least. She's, uh, he's ridden her before. She ran a four that day on the thoroughgraphs, and that's a number that fits nicely with this group. 
She's going to be a price. I still think she has some upside. She's only run three times in the U.S., only nine times overall. Brendan Walsh is a patient trainer. Uh, he's a really, really good horseman. I think keeper of time is very live, John, at a nice number in here. And listen, you know, it's, it's a lot like the Fort Lauderdale we talked about earlier in that regardless of, of who you think the horse to beat is, and Shifty She is certainly one of them, she's not or they're not all that faster than, of, than any horse that might be 10, 12, 15 to 1, like a keeper of time. We're talking about trips here in a 12-horse turf race. The margin for error with some of these favorites is slim to none. So I always want to look for value. And I think keeper of time is improving. It's lightly raced and has a ton of upside. So I'm going to look at her at a pretty good number in there. All right, yeah, folks, don't tell anybody that Brian likes this horse because it's 15 to 1. It'd be really nice if we had a little extra money to send down to the uh, Kentucky Tornado to relief. Anyhow, nice pick and good point. Now, one quick question on this horse. Yeah. Uh, she's a three year old filly going against older, yeah. but do you really think at this time of the year that the, the field's leveling out for three year olds against older? Yeah, 100%, John. If we were talking in you know April or May or maybe even June, I, I do think it's a deterrent. I think it's a negative. But now, all things being equal, we're talking about you know December the 18th. I don't think that's – I think that's out the window for sure because she's now soon to be a newly morphed four-year-old and really reaching her peak. So I don't view it as a disadvantage whatsoever. Well, you make a great case for keeper time, and I hope you just don't mention that when you're on air at Gulfstream Park. <laughs> All right, listen, my producers tell me I only got about two minutes, but I thought I'd reach out yeah. to you because this would be part of the late graded stakes race pick three. Uh, six go to post in the Harlands holiday, and uh, if Pete does the odds, he had a tough time splitting Mighty Heart and Fearless. Yeah, you know what? I um, Pete was on vacation, and I made the morning line when Fearless was in uh, that sixty thousand dollar handicap, and and uh, I, I believe I had him at three to five, and they didn't really bet him. They bet Girolamo's attack, who who actually won the race. Um, Fearless, I, I, to be completely honest and blunt with you, I didn't think he was very good. He ran slow. I didn't think he was very good. And you look at Mighty Heart, and I don't know if those. Uh, Woodbine races, the Tapita are, are going to, I don't know if they're going to scare some people or what, but his dirt races, John, are, are better than this field. You have to kind of sift through the past performances. Um, you look at the Governor's Cup at Mountaineer when he was a good second with a big number. You look at the blame at Churchill when he won by a nose. You look at the optional claimer at Keeneland when he was third to South Bend, who's also in here. His overall body of work might get a little jaded because of the, the synthetic races. This is this is all racehorse here for Josie Carroll. He runs on anything. He's drawn perfectly. And if you maybe think Fearless has lost a step and, and maybe isn't come back the way he was before the layoff, Mighty Heart to me, John, is rock solid in here. And, and honestly, let, let's just be honest. This this isn't a great group in here. The rest of these, you know, I, the Jedi might be subpar a little bit. South Bend, you know, uh, he, he doesn't win a lot. I know he won last time and now he's off Lasix too. I think Mighty Heart's very, very live in here. All right. Well, sadly, we're out of time. Brian, they do. Thank you so much for joining us for the first time on Winning Ponies. I hope it won't be the last. Yeah, John, it was a real pleasure. Anytime. Take care, right? All right, I'll take advantage of that. Don't forget, folks, get your pen out real quick. I'm going to give it to you as a Christmas present. Text the word TORNADOES and the numbers 90999 to help out our friends in Kentucky. 
All right, folks. Well, that's going to close out this edition of Winning Ponies. I hope you all have a marvelous holiday season. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.